Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this ability, this freedom to gather in this room and to worship you, to honor you, to join our hearts together, even join our voices together today with our with our soul focus on you. We, as we enter into your word, we pray that we could see you, not just the gifts that you use in your body, but we could see you in them. I pray that today that our minds would be open and that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and that you would speak through me the words that you would have us to hear. I thank you in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Continuing, the church which is his body. And uh, we are in the series within a series called The Dynamic Gifts of the Spirit. As I prayed, I really want us to make sure that we focus on the Lord Jesus and his involvement in our lives and, and not see the gifts as standalone, but see them connected to him. Today, we find ourselves at the part of the gifts of the Spirit that we're going to talk about the gifts of healings. We're also going to talk about the workings of miracles. They are very closely tied together, and I pray that I can get us out of here by 1230. (laughs) And you pray too. (laughs) Now, to start with, I can't tell you why everyone is not healed or why we don't receive all receive a miracle all the time. There are people smarter than me who can tell you, Why? I can't. I can't tell you the answer to that, except that God's bigger than I am. Um, I I can tell you that that the Apostle Paul had a disciple named Trophimus, or Trophimus, I think you actually say his name. And in 2 Timothy 4.20, it said he had to leave him behind because he had an illness. He was sick. And you ask, why did Paul, the Apostle, not exercise the gift of healing? I don't know, but I can tell you that he did at other times, but in that time, for whatever reason, Trophimus, he left him behind. He's also got a guy named Epaphroditus. He says he wanted to come to the Philippian church, but he said he couldn't because he was too sick. Matter of fact, Paul says Epaphroditus' illness was sickness unto death, and yet he said God's mercy survived, and, and, uh, We'll deal with the connection to that in a little bit. I mean, we'll read a verse today about Jesus that indicates that his ability to heal people was diminished. It was a, he was not able to do all that he could do in other places because he was in his hometown. Prophet is not honored. I can tell you that we should not, everybody say not. We should not cease to pray for healings and miracles. Because I know this is complicated, but our part is to pray. God's part is to perform. Our part is to pray. God does the work. And so we do our part. We leave his part to him. You say, well, he didn't heal. That's his business. You know, there may be other things working that we can get into. But the, but the bottom line is that we should not cease to pray for people to be healed. And we should not cease to pray for miracles, and we should continue to do so, and let God be God. And you will find out that in many cases, he does. 
The power, or in the verse I'm going to read, the authority to do this comes from the Lord Jesus. He gives his body, you and I, the authority to exercise the gifts of healings and the workings of miracles in his name. He gives us that authority. Matthew 10, 1, Jesus gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Gave them the authority. Your Bible may say power there, but in the Greek text, it's the word for authority. Um, Matthew 16, 18 tells us in Jesus' own words, they, his, his, the followers, those who are followers of Jesus Christ, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And if you live long enough and you pray enough, you're going to see that happen. One of the greatest examples of this, and I, w- I wish I had a long list that I'm not, go- I'm not going to attempt, is that one day Roddy walked up here with a hernia and we prayed for him and he went to the doctor three days later and he didn't have a hernia. That's the gift of healings. And guess who did the work? Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit. We prayed. God did the work. Once again, if you turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to read 1 through 11. And I'm again, to change it up a little bit today, I'm going to read from the New King James Version. I have nothing against the English Standard Version. And last week we read from the Christian Standard Bible just to change it up a little. But today, just it's almost hardly any change. But we're going to read from the New King James, verses 1 through 12. And I would ask you uh, to stand... Uh, as we read God's word. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each individually as he wills. You can be seated. Individually. Notice that in in the original text that it says gifts of healings, and workings of miracles. It's plural. And this is, this is because these gifts are enacted in a diversity of ways to address a variety of conditions. So you could say it this way, different ways by different people in different situations. It's not just a gift of healing, but it's a multiple gifts of healings applied in multiple ways. And so we'll just start with the gifts of healings. And, and, you know, I'm going to try to get through and, and uh, not, have, not put you to sleep. But we'll call the gifts of healings supernatural, the supernatural manifestation of the Spirit of God. You could stop right there because we've emphasized that the gifts are the Holy Spirit manifesting himself. 
So it's the supernatural manifestation of the Spirit of God that miraculously brings healing and deliverance from disease and infirmity. And he does that, and don't, don't let anybody tell you that he doesn't do that anymore. Because he does. Not only is it biblically supported, but experientially supported. That God still heals, and God still delivers, and he still performs miracles. Any follower of Jesus Christ, somebody say, that's me. Now, now the rest of us, let's say it together. That's me. Any follower of Jesus can pray for the sick to be healed. You don't have to have some special license or you don't have to be a clergy. You don't have to be anything other than a follower of Jesus Christ who is full of the Holy Spirit. You are empowered and authorized to pray for anybody who's sick. Anyway, I'll leave that alone. What is what is uh, this gift of healing? Well, you could call it it's the, the power of God correcting what may have gone awry in the body, mind, or emotions. Something's gone wrong, and you, you know, we're not even going to get into the source of it because it could be a varied source, but something is not right in the body. Often when I pray for the sick, I ask God to restore to them whatever they're dealing with, to restore the way he made it, the way God created it. Because if there's something wrong, we know that something's gone awry. Now, we're asking, we're asking God to restore. Uh, don't throw things at me until I finish. Supernatural, the gifts of healing, is supernatural healing without human aid or without the medical community. Okay, don't just brace yourself. We're talking about the gift of healing. We're not talking about just healing. Remember, when we started this series, we said that the gifts are are momentary. The gifts are, we just read, where the Holy Spirit gives these to people individually as the situation provides. Let me just say this. God does heal through science and the medical community. Absolutely he does. And, you know, when you pray for healing, uh, sometimes it's right now. The gift of healing, there's enough faith, there's enough whatever working right now. But sometimes when people are get, get healed, it is through the medical community. Uh, when, when someone has the knowledge to cr- come up with a procedure or a medicine that will cure you, where in the world do you think they got that knowledge? If it didn't come from the mind of God. So let's never... Uh, in great theological terms, let's, let's never poo-poo the medical community. We were in a meeting, my wife and I were in a meeting 40 years ago, I don't know. We were teaching in a little school and they wanted to get everybody health insurance. And this one girl, she went ballistic. She just went crazy. She said, y'all are a bunch of doubters. You don't have faith if you're going to have health insurance. You know, she went, she, of course, she let us have it. And uh, anyway, I'll leave that alone, too. But there are people who think that way. But let me just tell you, God can heal through any way he wants to, and many times it's through the medical community, but also many times it's when someone lays hands on someone and they're healed just like that. Arnold Bittlinger, great 
theologian from days gone by, said this, every healing is a special gift. In this way, the spiritual gifted individual stands always in new dependence upon the divine giver. Every time we face a situation, there is no formula, saints. We do not need to exercise formulaic Christianity. And when it comes to praying for those folks to be healed, we need every time that occurs, we're in we we stand in new dependence on God because every situation is new. What would be the purpose for healings? What would be the purpose for God healing us? I mean, I could give you a long list. I'm just going to give us three. And the first one is that it improves from its present condition or is completely cured. A person is completely cured of a disease or injury. But it takes what where we are and improves us to where we will be. Very simple, I know. Uh, another thing is to, and similarly, is to restore to full functionality. Let's face it. If you are encumbered by an illness or something, uh, it, it keeps you from doing some things that you want to do. It doesn't keep you down completely, but it keeps you back. It keeps you a step back, and it's really hard to fight through something and to, to engage the kingdom of God if you're dealing with something. So when God heals a person, one of the reasons is that that full functionality comes back and whatever impediment was in our way is not there now. Again, that should not keep us from continuing to work. But ultimately, the purpose is to bring glory to God. Ultimately. Obviously, we like to be healed. We like to get rid of the sickness or the injury, whatever may be the case. But ultimately, when God performs a healing on someone, it brings glory to him. And we need to remember that because we see people taking credit for healing and and, you know, somebody prays for somebody gets healed and everybody wants to run to that somebody. Well, that doesn't mean they're going to have the anointing for the next person. They may, but it doesn't mean that. We have some biblical examples we're just going to go through here and get, you know, just talk about. Naaman was, uh, was, uh, came, he had, he had leprosy. He was in the, the army and he, he, someone, a little girl told him about the prophet Elisha. And so she, he said, okay, we're going to go see the prophet Elisha. Actually, Elisha sent word for him to come. And so he goes and knocks on the door of Elisha the prophet. And Elisha the prophet sends his servant to the door, his messenger. And Naaman doesn't like that. And he says, the prophet says for you to go down to the river Jordan and dip seven times and you'll be healed. Naaman was offended. Naaman was offended because the man of God did not come to the door himself, but sent his servant with a message. Who does he think he is? Who does he know who I am? He, he needs to come out here himself. And he, they were going home. And one of his servants said to him, Naaman, if he had told you to do something really simple, you'd have done it. You need to listen to what he told you, even though he didn't tell you. And so Naaman does, goes down. Maybe one of the problems was the Jordan River, especially at that time, was extremely muddy and nasty. You get, you were a lot dirtier coming out of the Jordan River than you were going in. But he did. He went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan. Now, I don't know at what point he said, this, this seems like a waste, but he kept dipping. And after he dipped the seventh time, his leprosy disappeared. It was gone because God had healed him. 
that same Elisha, even exercised the gift of healing after he was dead. Some of you, some of you may never have read these verses or heard this story. And it came about as they were burying a man, behold, they saw a marauding band. So they threw the man's body into Elisha's tomb. And as soon as the man's body touched Elisha's bones, he came back to life and stood up on his feet. Wouldn't it be great to perform a healing or a miracle after you're gone? <laughs> Just your bones. The anointing of God. Oh, by the way, Elisha, if you read uh, 2 Kings 13, 14, he died of an illness after performing many healings and miracles. Now, that will just make your mind twist. I don't know. I told you last week we were talking about the gift of faith. Peter and John go to the gate beautiful at the temple, and they see this guy, this lame man sitting there. If you're taking notes, it's Acts 4. Oh, I'm sorry, 3. And, and uh, we, don't want need to mi- we don't need to miss the fact that they had walked by this guy many times and many days because he was there all the time. He was lame. And they walked by him. They never noticed him. But this day... For whatever reason, this day, as we talked last Sunday, Peter had a surge of faith in him. There was a surge of momentary, supernatural faith. And for one thing, he saw the guy. He never had actually noticed him before, or he probably would have stopped. Saw the guy, but he had this surge of faith. And the guy said, I need some money. He said, I don't have any money, but what I, what I have, I'll give you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Not until a certain day that they were prompted with the gift of faith to extend to him the gift of healing. And we saw him. The Bible says, we used to sing about this guy when we were kids. He went walking and leaping and praising God. Now this is a guy who couldn't even get up five minutes before. But as soon as Peter picked him up from the ground, as I said last week, his ankles were strengthened. He was healed, not just to the point of being able to walk, but he was jumping all over the place. Pentecostal to the max. (laughs) We were in a meeting one time at the Civic Auditorium, and there was a guy named Charlie Fowler who was preaching. Charlie, uh, if you were to look up Pentecostal in the dictionary, his picture would have been there. And we were all, you know, it's a, oh, I don't know, it's seat 800, maybe a 1,000 people. And we were close to the back. We weren't in the back. And uh, he would run around, preach. You know, he'd hold a microphone, uh, you know, make noise. And he'd jump up in the chair and pray for that person. Right? He'd lay hands on him and pray for him. And, of course, the place is going wild. You say, what are you, y'all doing there? I don't have a clue what we were doing there. <laughs> that woman right there said, he comes over here, I'm leaving. <laughs> I want to say I'll be right behind you. And when we read this account of Peter and John dealing with the lame man and the lame man being healed, remember that it was Dr. Luke who was recording this. Luke, the physician, is describing both the former condition of the lame man and the healed condition of the lame man. Dr. Luke. Sound like you ought to have a TV show. Peter engages a guy named Aeneas. 
And there, here's, here are the verses for that. There he, Peter, found a certain man named Aeneas who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. Let me just stop right there. I probably told this story, but years ago we met a lady named Delia Knox. She came to our conference in Gatlinburg. She was in a wheelchair, and she had been in a wheelchair for 25 years. She had been in an automobile accident, I think it was. Her husband was Bishop Levy. Levy Knox, I think. Is that how he says his name? Anyway, Bishop Knox. Some of y'all's relatives, probably. But, uh, but she sang. She was a great singer. And they lifted up her wheelchair, put her up on the platform, and she sang for us. She had some records. Well, a little while later, we see a video on the Internet of her going to a revival in Mobile, Alabama. Some of you may not know, the bay in Mobile is actually called the Bay of the Holy Spirit. And there was a revival called the Bay of the Holy Spirit Revival. And so Delia goes, and the Lord is moving. The guy prays for her. She gets up out of her chair. She walks around the building. And by the way, she's still walking. She was in that chair 25 years. Who knows why and how? Who knows how many people have prayed for her over the years? But this night, at the Bay of the Holy Spirit, she was touched and began to walk. And it's still on YouTube if you want to look it up. A video of her getting up out of that wheelchair. This guy had been bedridden eight years. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Don't you like that? We said earlier, who does the work? Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately. So all who dwelt at Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. We said the purpose is that God would be glorified. They turn to the Lord. So this is not just a marvel, not something just to marvel at. But this is a sign to draw people to Jesus. Okay. I don't want to say this, but I'm going to say it. Be careful of people who, who perform healings, quote unquote, and draw people to them. If it's, if it's a legitimate you'll see Jesus being exalted and not the person who God's working through. There are various methods recorded in the Scripture, the laying on of hands, Mark 6, 5, and this is a verse I referred to earlier. He, Jesus, could do no miracle or mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. But he laid hands on them. There's the giving of a command or speaking a word in Luke 6.10. He said to him, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. Sometimes you don't, you just say something to someone. You say, well, all this is in the Bible. What about me? Well, the Bible in some ways, and I don't, don't throw things at me, is still being written. But by that I mean God's word is still performing. Another place this tells us that Jesus used mud made with his own saliva. Now, I know that's gross. And we don't, you know, here's mud in your eye. gives a new meaning to that term. He spat on the ground, made clay with the saliva, anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated scent. So he went and washed and he came back seeing. How about that? He went blind, came back seeing because Jesus put mud on his eyes. Now, I know how human nature is. Somewhere in that region of the world, there's a first church of the mud in the eye. 
Because we, we think, okay, if it worked that time, it's going to work from now on. And so we're just going to keep putting mud in the eye. Well, it could be that, that God anoints you and, and gifts you and you, you spit in the ground and make some mud and put it on somebody's eye and God heals that person. It could be. I hope you know them really well or you can run faster than them. <laughs> Do you believe Jesus actually healed someone with a wet willy? Mark seven thirty three. he spat and touched his tongue. That's what I thought. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, a word I can't pronounce, that is, be opened. Probably it's F to five. Immediately, everybody say immediately. immediately. See, this is the gift of healing. Immediately, his ears were opened and the impediment, boy, I got a joke right now that I cannot tell. <laughs> and immediately, his tongue was loosed. And he spoke plainly. Golly, I want to tell that story, but I can't. About Leroy and John, but that's a, hmm. But immediately, Jesus healed with a wet willy. Now, once again, if you're going to use this method, make sure you know this person. Or at the very least, you can outrun them. Of course, when you do that and God heals them, they won't, they'll be very happy you Put your spit on them. And then there's the lady who's crawling through the crowd. She has an issue of blood that she's had for 12 years, and the doctors have taken all of her money. And she crawls through, through the crowd and actually just touches the hem of Jesus' garment. And immediately he turns around and said, Who touched me? Because the Bible says the power of God had gone out of him into her. Your faith has made you well, he said. Last week, we talked about faith and the gift of faith. We talked about it being an action, being an action. Remember the guys lowering their friend down through the roof that they tore off. And Jesus said, it says, Jesus seeing their faith. What he saw was them lowering their friend. That was their faith. Faith is not static. It's active and it's moving. Then we, it won't take as long, I don't think, but the workings of miracles, in the, I don't usually do this, but in the Greek text, it says energemata of dunamis. And that's because we see there that energy and power, or the workings of power, some of your Bibles will say. The word there, miracles, workings of miracles, is the word dunamis that we've heard you know, for many years, I, I laugh because people say, well, it's where we get our word dynamite. And uh, somebody said, well, wait a minute. Now, God improves things. He, dynamite blows things up. <clears throat> well, the, of course, the point is the power. After the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall receive power. You shall receive dunamis, which will enable you to do his work. The power of his might that multiplies itself. It's the, it's the releasing of God's energetic supernatural ability, the workings of miracles. What is the difference? Well, obviously healings is maybe healing a body or a disease. A miracle, I, do I have it here? I bet I do have it. Here we go. Well, Ephesians 1.19, the surpassing greatness of his power or his dunamis toward us who believe. 
in accordance with the working or energeo of the strength of his might. That's a miracle. It's a manifestation of power beyond, everybody say beyond, beyond. the ordinary course of natural law. They're closely related gifts of healings. And by the way, when you see something happen, please don't get bogged down trying to figure out what it is. Now, I wonder if that's a gift of healing or if that's the working of miracles. Man, just rejoice. Something happened. Amen. I mean, we get, you know, get too particular. We miss. God did something. We're trying to be uh, intellectuals. It's a divine enablement to do something that could not be done naturally. The supernatural ability to serve others as a channel of God's miracle power. Workings of miracles teach us that the creator has the power to rearrange, to correct, to move objects and people, thus temporary supplanting the laws of nature. Do you believe that the creator of nature can supplant his own laws? The answer is yes. Not a trick question. If he can't, who can? Biblical examples teaches us that. Elijah in First Corinthians, First Kings 18, Elijah proclaims power over the weather. Now, how many of you think Elijah stopped the rain? I know that's a song, who will stop the rain, but Elijah did, if y'all don't know the answer to the song. It says that he said there's not going to be any rain. Well, there wasn't any rain until he said so. That's a miracle. Uh, Joshua, he calls the sun to stand still for a day. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. Um, Non-biblical scholars or secular scholars have gone back and checked history and checked time, and they've discovered there's a, it, this is proven to be a fact. Out, even outside of biblical people, People who believe the Bible, this is a fact that we, we've got an extra day or lost a day, which way you want to look at it. Obviously, parting of the Red Sea, Exodus 14, that's a miracle. Jesus turning the water into wine, that's a miracle. I'm, you know, you could go deeper into this. Jesus walking on the water. Again, supplanting the laws of nature. It wasn't like the joke about the football coaches where they knew where the rocks were. I won't tell it because I can't figure out which football coach to get it on. But anyway, Jesus walked on water. He didn't walk on rocks. He walked on the water. Peter walked on the water until he began to observe his surroundings, and then he sank. And, of course, in John 11, when Jesus goes to the graveside of Lazarus, and he raises him from the dead. A miracle. I've often wondered if Lazarus was upset. You know, somebody said, hey, Lazarus, he's calling your name. I don't want to go back. <laughs> My bride told me yesterday. I, she already told me, but I forgot about it when she was a little girl. <clears throat> you know, we were talking about the fact that we didn't use seatbelts when we were kids. And a lot of times, if you're old enough, you didn't even have a car that had seatbelts, much less use them. We didn't know what that was. So she was riding around with her daddy one day, just standing up in the front. Well, see, standing up in the floorboard. She'd never been very tall. (laughs) (laughs) 
And he was telling her, you know, you need to be careful if I got to slam on the brakes, you know, it might, might kill you. And she said, well, well, if I died, I would go be with Jesus, wouldn't you? And he said, yeah. She said, well, dummy, kill me. I'll be with Jesus. And he refrained from spanking her for calling him a dummy because he couldn't stop laughing. Lazarus might have sat there and thought, heard, heard Jesus saying, come forth, Lazarus, and said, somebody grab hold of me. I don't want to go back. But he did. Jesus supplanted the laws of nature, calling Lazarus out of the tomb. Uh, you know, I could, you could go on and on and on, and I'm not going to, and you're going to be glad. But there are various, not only are there numbers, a number of ways in the Scripture that God supplanted his own laws of nature. But if I took the time and let some of you come up here, you could tell us how God has worked miracles in your life. He's made things happen that shouldn't happen. He's moved things that shouldn't have been moved. He's had people appear in your life that should not have appeared. We've all seen those things. Now, if we're looking for the grand miracle that we want to put on TV, not all of us have experienced that. But when we talk about the the things happening in our lives that should not have happened, that's a miracle. A person showing up that should not have shown up, that's a miracle. God's in the business of healings and he's in the business of working of miracles. You and I can't limit what happens and what doesn't happen. Healings and miracles are restorative in nature. They're restoring something. Mm. They both are done by the hand of God, but the sovereign hand of God. And not controlled by the one exercising the gift. This is so key. Because we, we have people who make us feel guilty. Because we've prayed for someone. By the way, let me just stick this in here. I know I'm running out. Just you just I'm gonna shut you down. There you go. I've said this before, but we leak and you might not have been here. Don't you can't feel guilty if you pray for someone to be healed or pray for a miracle and it doesn't happen because you're not the one doing it anyway. Any more than you can get excited and take the credit if you lay hands on someone and they get healed. You can't take the credit because you're not doing it anyway. So don't be reticent to ask God to do something, but let God be God. How many of you believe God is sovereign? He does. Whether we believe it or not, God believes he's sovereign. And we need to let God be sovereign. But as I said when we started, we don't need to cease praying for people. We don't need to cease praying for miracles. But we need to understand that it's done by the sovereign hand of God and it's not controlled by the one exercising the gift. The healings and the miracles are the result of God being involved with mankind. And anytime God is able to become involved with mankind, the result is always supernatural. God, supernatural, they go together. And we need to expect to find opportunities to pray for people. Are you asking to speak? Well, come on up here. I saw his hand. I thought he was just praising the Lord. And you might have been doing that too. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was just eating me alive back there. 
Uh, got a, this is confirmation on this uh, morning service. Uh, my nephew, he uh, called me yesterday. Uh, <laughs> his testimony, it's, it's amazing, but he was basically any drugs that went from the East Coast that came through, it filtered through him. Uh, he saw a bunch of people get killed. Uh, so with that being said, uh, he also just married and gave his life to God. Uh, and he called me yesterday. He says, Randy, uh, excuse me, two nights ago, he says, Randy, I've given my, my life to the Lord. And uh, he says, but the crazy thing is, is um, my wife is going through a lot of problems. She went to go have heart surgery uh, about a night ago. And they and he already prayed to God. He said, God, is this is this she going to be okay? And uh, God said, she's going to be fine. So he got a phone call after the heart surgery because it's supposed to be a small heart surgery, basically. Well, she flatlined and she died. Uh, she was, in 13 minutes, she was dead. Uh, the uh, doctor called and says, look. Uh, just want to let you know your wife's dead. Now, he's 29 years old, still pretty young. And uh, he says, God, what happened? Uh, you told me she's going to be okay. What's happening? And he says, what I want you to do is call back to the hospital. I'm going to take care of this. He calls back to the hospital. And she, he, he said, give the phone, put it in her ear. And he took this phone. She put it in her, they put it in her ear. And he says, you need to wake up because Jesus says uh, he wants you to wake up. And she said as soon as he did that, she started coughing. She woke up. This was after 13 minutes being flatlined. Woke up, and she said she was standing before God, and she says, why are you taking me? And he says, it's time to go back. You need to wake up. God told her that, and so did her husband. And so she's right now. Everything's fine. She's. uh... Thank you. A man with an experience is not at the mercy of one with a theory. Amen? God's still working today. Amen. And so I tell you what I've been telling you week after week after week. Earnestly desire the gifts of healings and the workings of miracles. As I said earlier, you don't have to be clergy. You don't have to be some special person with some special. I mean, here's a guy who's barely a Christian. Here's a guy who's just been a Christian a short while. And God uses him to speak to his wife. Earnestly desire these gifts and and ask God to use them in you. Now, I'm going to close this way. Some time ago, some years ago, we did the teaching on healing and stuff. And and I gave out these little gold uh, vials of oil, anointing oil. Some of you, I hope a bunch of you, have some in your pockets or your purse. I've heard stories of some of you being out in grocery stores and places and popping that thing open and anointing people. By the way, in a, in a practical sense, if you're going to do that, don't soak them. Just, just anoint them. <clears throat> Currently, we only have 13 of these because a number of you got them last time. But if you want one, and if you'll, if you'll put it in your purse or your pocket and you'll use it, they're out there in the foyer on the on the table, uh, pick you up one of these. There's actually two vials in each one of these, two small vials of oil, so that when you're at the post office or the grocery store or the soccer field or wherever you work, wherever you play, whatever may be the case, someone says something about being sick. They don't have to be a Christian, by the way. You just pray for them. You do your part. Let God do his part. Okay. Now, if, and when we, if we run out of these today, like I said, it's only, there's one vial in this one and somebody can have this one. 
And the ones out there in, in the bowl, there's two vials in each one of these bags. When we run out, I'm going to order some more. Because I hope you use it up. They're, they're small. I hope you use it up. Because I want you to know that God, God says to you, you, everybody say me. me. You can pray for the sick and you can pray for miracles. Not only that, you should. Amen? Stand with me.